0: everybody, and welcome to uh, the latest episode of the DeanCast podcast. This is Allie. And this is Keely. And today we're going to be talking about two episodes, um, Safe House and Red Meat. We are uh, a bit behind, obviously. Sorry about that, guys. We took a brief break, but we are back at it.
1: It's okay. We've got a couple of weeks of gap anyway, so.
0: Yeah, we do. So we'll um, be catching up kind of over the little hiatus we have in between now and the, I guess it's just going to run through the end of the season, right? Yeah, I think. Awesome. Okay. So, first episode we have is um, Safe House by Robbie Thompson. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> we are both talking about how it's really appropriate that the first writer that gets the second episode reviewed on our podcast is Robbie, because as we talked about the first one, we love him so much.
1: I will never run out of good things to say about Robbie. He, he just... Ugh,
0: Such I Such a good him. guy. <laughs> I don't know him, but I trust him.
1: Yeah. We talk about that sometimes, which... I don't know him, and he could be... I don't know. He could do terrible shit in his everyday life. I would have no idea, but I just (laughs) trust him so
0: much. Yeah. So, um, this is his um, third episode of the season, and I really liked it a lot. I think that was kind of the general consensus in the fandom. Everyone really enjoyed it.
1: It was just so... It was... Every time Bobby comes back, I'm like, I, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm always expecting it because he always comes back at some yeah, point in, yeah. in the season. But this was, this was a really good use
0: of an episode
1: oh my with God. Bobby. Oh my God.
0: Just the writing and directing in this episode was amazing. It was so good. Like, this is like masterclass on how you write a non-traditional narrative and direct it and kind of keep everything flowing and still really clear narrative lines and not confused it was just oh it's so good Just it really it takes a lot of skill to kind of write a script like this where you have two stories running parallel to each other and going in and out of them and still being able to kind of keep focus and not make it confusing looking at you doctor who um, i think robbie did an amazing job and the director did a really really good job also with kind of continuous shots and Going back and forward through time, but still kind of remaining in the same shot and just kind of continuing it. it was, yeah, it was, there was that
1: really nice um, shot of looking down on the table that I'm remembering, and it shifting back and forth.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. When um, they were, um, when they were doing
1: when they were doing research. Yeah,
0: yeah. That was that was a really great one. And not only okay, okay, Ken. Not only that. Not only were we kind of going through different timelines. We had like different realms of reality. So while we have the past and the present going on, we also have Dean and Bobby in um, The Nest and Sam and Rufus in um, (laughs) The World.
1: (laughs) The World and their respective times? I don't know.
0: Yeah, yeah. You really had a lot going on in this episode, and it really could have been very, very juggled and unclear as to what was going on, but it was really good, and I thought the emotional beat hit really well and how they were supposed to. I think the only thing in this episode that didn't quite hit as hard as I really wanted it to was... Dean seeing Sam when he was in the nest. Um, I feel like that could have had more emotional impact if it was something else. And a lot of people wanted him to see Cass, which, like, I would have died. Honestly,
1: no. When I was watching it, I was hyper aware that I was watching a Robbie episode. When that was coming up... I was kind of flipping out. I was fully expecting that to happen, but
0: yeah, I I expected it, or I wasn't expecting it, but I thought it could happen. But Misha wasn't listed in the credits, and they wouldn't have him in one episode just to do that because they would have to pay him for like a full episode. They can't just like
1: that'd be a waste.
0: Yeah, that would be a waste. And um, I mean, we did. They did kind of show that Cass was also a weakness to Dean because in the beginning, you know, they start out like researching and. You know, we can't find Amara, can't find Cass.
1: Yeah, they have done a pretty, I think they've done a pretty good job of showing that Dean is consistently worried about Cass. Because usually, you know, when they do the Monster of the Week episodes, they do these, you know, these couple of lines at the beginning of every Monster of the Week episode, giving sort of a an obligatory note about their lack of progress. And Dean is usually the one that's looking for a case. Mm-hmm. And he's the one that wants to get out of get out of the house or the bunker.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, with the wrestling one, he was kind of the one that was like, oh, we need to get out like, and do something. And it seems like he's kind of like rededicated himself to the cause and looking for ways to stop Amara and how to get Cass back, which just fucked me up.
1: Every time I think about Dean just like sitting in the bunker... And just, like, being sad about Cass. And, like, think, just think about all the empty time. Like, they're researching, but, like, there's nothing there to distract him really that much from just this knowledge, this constant knowledge that Cass is out there trapped in Lucifer.
0: Yeah, and, I mean, you kind of also have to look, like... Because Sam's like, oh, we need to get out of the bunker. So, like, that means all they're doing is just sitting in there and researching. Like, just think when you're, like, in school and you, like, have to study or you're researching something and you do it for, like, what, like, a day or two at a time and you want to, like, rip your fucking hair out. Yeah, your eyes
1: start to cross and, like, your brain starts running in circles.
0: Yeah, and then, I mean, that's, like, all that they're doing. So, like, clearly they've been there for a while. It wouldn't have just been one or two days of researching because, you know, that's really... 90% of their job is just researching, kind of figuring out what they're up against. Right. And I thought it was really great that we had a new monster. Robbie's always so good at that. That's his. uh, All three of his episodes this season have had new monsters.
1: That's interesting.
0: I can't remember what it was in Baby, but it was new, I think. At least new to us.
1: It was the fam the gull pyre <laughs>
0: yeah well yeah but i can't remember what it's like actually called um and then he had the banshee and now this so he's really been doing his job expanding the mythology which i always appreciate
1: and i i do i do appreciate you know the sort of the classic monsters that come back and they are fit to f- fit to the the current narrative or whatever but I do I do appreciate Robbie's creativity
0: mm-hmm. in this. And this episode was like actually, was, like, actually scary you know like I, I, I don't, I've I, never found I'm Supernatural to know. ever be scary so like I didn't really find this episode scary either but in the sense of it had like that kind of looming feeling of dread and yeah. the directing and the lighting especially in The Nest was like very um, horror movie-esque and really kind of calling back to like the classic Supernatural or When it was more of a horror show as opposed to, like, adventure drama that it is now.
1: Yeah, I found The Nest to be really eerie. Yeah. And just, like, almost like a really isolating space, which was, I think that was really cool.
0: Yeah, especially since it was so crowded. And the concept that it kind of existed out of space and time was really interesting. And also could spell trouble, because that sure as hell does sound a lot like the, um, The empty, which we've been so friendly reminded about in the episode we'll be speaking about next. That is um, a scary thought.
1: (laughs) It is. Yeah, I was thinking about that when I was airing, too. I was like, it's sort of like the empty, you know, it's this vague, vaguely described just space. Mm -hmm. But it's like not a space at the same time because it doesn't really
0: occupy a physical plane, I don't think. And nothing's really there. But at the same time, a lot of things are there. I don't know. Like you said, it doesn't occupy a space. It just kind of is. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how it out. Well, good news is, is yeah. Dean gets out, so. Yeah, yeah. Not that they would ever stay, but, you know, right. that could be a good cliffhanger at the end of the season. A
1: good cliffhanger. We've had that cliffhanger a million times. I mean, as far as the
0: options they have.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's not like they're stuck in purgatory again.
0: <laughs> oh, man. But what if Dean and Cass got stuck in the empty?
1: oh my god
0: stop <laughs> <laughs> you can't tell me that that wouldn't be amazing like I don't care that they've done it before I literally do not care
1: I would honestly I I wouldn't hate another <laughs> another hiatus in purgatory
0: <laughs> uh, I know oh man purgatory was so good
1: Anything where Dean and Cass are trapped in the same place, I'm like, yes! I can't wait to read all the fan fiction about this over hyenas. <laughs> I <hiatus." laughs>
0: you know, we're going to have to go back and maybe do, like, an episode about just purgatory and how it Ugh. ruined our lives.
1: Good, good times.
0: Yeah. So, well, oh, yeah, and just, let's talk about Bobby for a little bit. Because okay. I love him so much, Bobby and Rufus, and, like, just the juxtaposition of, like, how Bobby and Rufus handle a case and how Sam and Dean do, I thought was really funny. For the most part, um it, there was a lot of good comedy in this episode. And I think the mark of a good writer is being able to add comedy into places where you don't feel like there should be necessarily. So like in a horror movie or in a, like a very horror genre television show and you have these like moments of actually laughing out loud. Like with the bulldozer when Sam and team <laughs> <to laughs> <me. laughs>
1: Fucking and, idiots. As <laughs> we
0: dig up the two graves and they're like, this is the worst. And you can... <laughs> Oh, man. And then you go back to the past and Bobby just has a fucking excavator. <laughs> <Backhoe>. <laughs> yeah,
1: like some like, backhoe or something.
0: Someone would very clearly see at night or hear <laughs> there would be <laughs> tread, tap, tread marks in the grass.
1: Just some, you know, the neighbors of the the cemetery. Oh, you know, just some midnight construction work. Yeah, and it's not like <laughs> it
0: was like a small place. It was Grand Rapids, Michigan. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love it. And um, Bobby
1: and Rufus's interactions are always just so good. Yeah. I feel like it's been so long since I've seen them together. And it really has been Yeah, a really long time. But it never gets old.
0: No, it doesn't. And just Bobby saying like how he's worried about his boys. His boys. Oh,
1: I'm so sad. I do love Bobby.
0: I you know. And then when he I saw Sam, movie, and, Dean Sam and, Dean and Dean in the empty. Because he didn't go in knowing about that. Right. So he saw that and it really, you know, fucked him up. Especially because it's implied that his case was taking place during, like, season four. So that is a very real outcome for him and Sam and Dean, you know, facing the apocalypse. Yep. And then when he sees Dean at the end, it's like a little thing, but it means he knows that Dean survives the apocalypse. And he's able to, you know, Dean's able to see him, probably not one last time, but for the first time in a long time. And I guess kind of reminded of a simpler time.
1: <laughs> well, when was the last time Dean saw Bobby? Because we've Sam has seen Bobby like two, three times. Did he see him last season in Heaven? No,
0: no, I don't think so. Because season eight, he
1: talked. He talked to him though <sighs> via that psychic. When? Um, Inside Man.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, he was with Cass.
1: Right, but Sam talked to Bobby. He told
0: him the situation. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Sorry, I thought you said he talked to Dean. I was like, I'm pretty sure he didn't. But I don't, no. I don't, think, I don't think Dean has seen him since he died in season seven. Because season eight, he was rescued from hell by Sam. Yep. Season nine, um, it was Sam's...
1: Conscience, subconscious. Yeah,
0: which I loved. I thought that was great. Um, <laughs> side point. Um, and then season 10, it was Cass and Sam, I guess, wrote him a letter or whatever. But yeah, so this is the first time Dean has seen him in a while. So he seems like he like doesn't quite want to believe it because I think he thinks if he like you know thinks about Bobby in relation to everything else going on in his life, he would just be even more emotionally fucked up.
1: Yeah, it would just it would just maybe be too much.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I'm so sad.
1: <laughs> I get sad. I get so sad about Dean every day, and then the next day I'm like, well, I'm not as sad
0: about Dean today. And then, but then I'm sad about Dean and Cass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, these two episodes that we're talking about in this episode don't have cast, which is unfortunate, you know, because this is the Dean Cass podcast, but we've got some good stuff coming up. <laughs> yeah, yep. <laughs> um, And uh, so any kind of last thoughts on this episode? I mean, Cass isn't in it. We kind of talked about what we liked and what we didn't like of this episode, and it is a good episode, but it is a Monster of the Week episode that really didn't. Like, some of the Monster of the Week episodes relate to the myth arc, but some don't, and this one really didn't. I mean, do you have anything else you want to add? Yeah,
1: I think the I think the only thing that I can really think of that sort of related to the myth arc was the soul eater. You know, uh, Amaro I guess was a soul would be considered a soul eater, but
0: yeah, yeah, definitely. I haven't really yeah I haven't read any haven't met, heard meta about this episode in a long time, so I'm a little lacking. Sorry, guys. I hadn't really thought
1: that much about it. Just it, I mean, to me, I know it's a Robbie episode, but it seemed to me like pretty
0: one to one. Yeah, yeah, that that's fair to say. Oh, one more thing though—we had lesbian mommies. Oh, Robbie—he tries. He really does,
1: and I mean, he succeeds too. He
0: does. And one of the one of the moms was a woman of color, also. So, good job, Robbie. Good looking out. Yeah. And he gave—I I just rewatched the episode to prepare for this, guys. He gave the wife a name, so when she was talking on the phone with him, that means it passed the Bechdel test. Oh wait, and with the daughter too. But I usually really think about it in relation to adults. I don't know why. Hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: I guess I never thought about the rule in terms of children, but I guess it's kids I guess it's a valid too. rule. They are. They usually just don't have a main role.
0: Yeah. And oh, and Dean with kids. Oh.
1: See, I'm not a stranger anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a Dean thing to say.
0: That's also such a like creepy stranger thing to say.
1: <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, I thought it was really cute. And Bobby with the kid, too, because, you know, Bobby never got to have kids, kind of had Sam and Dean, but he didn't get to spend all that much time with him as I imagined he would want to. Stop, I'm getting too sad about Bobby. Okay, well, let's get sad about something else, then. Want to move on to the
1: next episode? (laughs) Sure thing!
0: (laughs) So the next episode is Red Meat by Robert Behrens and Andrew Dabb. Which, like, talk about a power couple.
1: Yeah, I didn't know what to expect from them. You know, I saw the promo, and, you know, the promos are always bad. Oh but my god, I d- they're so I bad. Di- I didn't have any expectations going into this episode. I just, like, had, like, a really neutral expectation. I was like, oh, it's gonna be another Monster of the Week episode. There's no Cass. Obviously, I mean, there's no Misha, is mostly what I mean. Yeah. But, um, this really, it took me off guard.
0: Yeah, and I... I- You know, because you really kind of thought, like, in this episode, it was going to be about, like, Dean saving Sam because Sam got shot, as we saw. But then it kind of ended up, which, I mean, it was that, but I wasn't expecting Dean to literally kill himself.
1: That's always a tough thing. Just because, I mean, we've seen him do this exact thing before. Mm -hmm. At least once, I think twice. I want to say twice.
0: Yeah. I I don't think necessarily in this context. When he brought back Sam from the dead in, like, season two? Yeah, season two. He made like a crossroads deal, so...
1: Right, but I, I mean specifically tr- dying so he could talk to a reaper oh, to yeah. death. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, he did it one one other time. And then I think another time someone shot him, but he came back because of course he did.
1: I'm not remembering. I needed to do, do a whole series rewatch. That's um, so much television. I know. <laughs> Gosh, I forgot what I was going to say about we're, that We were now. saying
0: we weren't really sure what to expect with this episode because of the writing oh, team. Oh,
1: yeah. I was like, oh, they've never written an episode together, and... What an, what an interesting combination. And
0: yeah, I was, you know. I was really interested too because Andrew Dabb used to have a writing partner. So he used to share episodes. And I actually think he got better when he started working alone. And then Robert Behrens writes his episodes alone. And like usually when Dabb is, anyone is co writing an episode on this show, it's with a junior writer, like when Dabb co wrote the wrestling one. He did that because the other guy was um, a, not a staff writer, but a writer's assistant. Usually when a writer's assistant is being allowed to write their first episode, they work with another more seasoned writer on it. So I was kind of confused as to why Burns and Dab were teaming up, but I'm really okay with it because they're two of the better writers on the staff, I think. I would agree. Um,
1: I would give um, Barrons, I would say he's one of the best cast writers. Yes. and one of, Definitely one of the best Dean cast writers. Yes. Um, Dab might be the,
0: he's the best Biden writer.
1: He's really good at Biden and he's excellent Real, like plot-heavy episodes. Yeah,
0: yeah, he, he really is, you know. 1022.
1: Oh my god. As
0: much as I hated why that episode came to be was a really good episode, you know. He kind of made the best out of a bad situation there. Yeah. Oh, another notable thing about this episode before we actually get into talking about the episode is it was directed by a lady, Nina Lopez Corrado. I am so bad at Spanish. I'm sorry if I did not pronounce that correctly, everybody. I thought she did a great job, too. Directing this episode was really good
1: yeah i don't i don't ever know how to tell if it's been directed well i just <laughs> usually
0: <laughs> if i'm if i'm being honest <laughs> supernatural i think is pretty consistent they do do they do a pretty good job with their directing i think i only really notice it when it's like exceptional Bad. like i think safe house was an exceptionally directed episode and this one i just thought it looked pretty good you know always about supporting the ladies <laughs> so yeah so into yeah. the actual episode itself we don't really get much of a cold open uh yeah, no, we do have the cold open.
1: But it's, you know how usually someone dies in
0: the cold open? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, it was
1: Sam. It was Sam yeah, in right. <laughs> so his we opened, cold open.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. We opened up right on that, which we knew he was going to get shot from the P- from the promo. promo, but I didn't think it was going to happen as it did. We have like another kind of time jumpy episode, which is interesting. That seems to be a, a reoccurring theme now. Interesting. Two times is only a coincidence, though. Though so we'll have to see. <laughs> hmm. Although I guess you could say that uh, 1118, boiler alert. <laughs> also had a bit of a time jump because we go back and look at Rowena and how she revives herself
1: and if we're talking time jumps the vessel
0: oh shit you're right yeah. damn yeah. this is a theme
1: <laughs> so we do we do have some you know some at least minor themes of time time move moving through time or jumping through time
0: yeah huh strange manipulations not linear in a sense wow this one's nonlinear, but the other ones kind of play with time in different ways. They're linear, though. Um, but yeah, this episode, um, again, really enjoyed it. You know, Monster of the Week, but I think did a really good job displaying the emotional state of Dean in particular. You know, Sam kind of spent most of this episode dead, so. <laughs> or at least, what, mostly what do dead. you call that, comatose? <laughs> yeah. In shock, Dean Something. said mostly dead. So we'll we'll go with mostly dead. But um, so Sam gets shot, and then have horrible hipster werewolf guy <laughs> and his girlfriend, who's awesome. I loved her. I can't remember her name. I'm sorry.
1: The one that talked to Dean at the end. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know her name. I don't, uh, I
0: just wanted to clarify. <laughs> uh michelle it was michelle i I really like michelle and another thing is i don't like werewolves very much in supernatural i think that might have a lot to do with the fact that um adam glass always wrote werewolf episodes and i thought his episodes were pretty boring and he always wrote werewolves he did he always wrote werewolves (laughs) i don't know he made
1: he made garth a character he created into a werewolf (laughs) yeah he did he must have really liked werewolves i think he must have or at least he just couldn't think of anything better i think he probably just really liked werewolves yeah
0: you know good for him
1: (laughs) you do you i guess
0: one thing i want to talk about kind of how this episode was um bookended before we get into anything actually i want to talk about the end because it's in relation to the beginning so the cold open you know we have the Sam getting shot scene and then we come back from that into the bunker before they even get this case and they're researching or they're they're not researching they're like at a diner right they're coming back from somewhere and um they're like oh we found a case." Like uh, werewolves or whatever and Dean again is kind of like oh you know we really should be like focusing on this or whatever um Dean didn't really think it was a time of case and he wanted to continue searching for Cast. but Sam was like we'll get him, I promise like we we can do it and um then you kind of have the end of the episode where Michelle was talking to Dean about how there's no normal after she watched the man she loves died die and then
1: the the second half of that line it's entirely on dean's face yeah i don't know like the camera's on dean's face and he's looking so sad i'm like yeah Jesus and like i mean christ
0: we can say it's about <laughs> sam and i think to an extent it has to be because everything in dean's life is fucked up but dean one didn't watch sam die two sam didn't actually die whereas you have you know Lucifer, Cass, and Dean kind of witnessing Cass, not even Cass, just witnessing Lucifer within the body of, you know, of his best friend. So I really think that line is kind of pointed for us to think of it in connection to Cass for that reason, and also because of how the beginning of the episode starts with Sam and Dean talking about Cass. So the end of the episode is Dean and Michelle talking about in a subtextual sense because that's not it, the last scene so it really does kind of work if we're talking about like cemetery wise because the last yep, scene is them driving off in the car whereas the first scene is the cold open so. and i think
1: one really thing we're, one really cool thing and by cool i mean soul crushing <laughs> thing to, to sort of note about dean's look the the look on dean's face with the whole watch the man i love die like think about how many times Dean has thought that he's lost Cass. Oh my god, so many times. You know, in season 7, he watched him walk into the lake, never never to come out. Or Blew well, up in season 5.
0: Yeah, yep.
1: I always forget about that.
0: Yeah, season 8, you know, or not season 8, season 6. Cass didn't die, well, but died, Dean but lost, him lost him in a metaphorical sense.
1: And like all these times, Dean has been, you know, he's caught him sort of before he's been lost or died
0: or something. Or had a solution solution that was a quick fix, like in 903.
1: Yeah, he's caught him before this happens, and every time he's unable to prevent it. And I think he's so driven to prevent Cass dying, or something worse than being possessed by the devil Mm -hmm. happening, or... You know, he's trying to get... He's trying to stop Cass from sacrificing himself, basically, but I think that's his main motivation right now, is that he's watched him die so many times and he's lost him so many times he's just absolutely not willing to let it happen anymore
0: yeah yeah i think, yeah, I think and I think, really, yeah, I think you really god we keep going back to the next episode but you really see that in know um, 11 18, which is what the episode we're doing next guys by the way don't worry it'll be out soon um it's it's gonna be 30 minutes of me crying yeah basically so i'll have to you know it'll take me a while to edit all the crying out but it'll happen <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so dean has i mean the last time dean really had to watch sam die was season 2 and well, he, i mean you kind of, sort of count season five. season 5 you know, i
1: was i was thinking i was thinking season 8 but he he didn't watch sam die but he was watching him sort of on the brink of death but well yeah eight, but he also, yeah, but, but he didn't
0: die or like actually lose him whereas he lost ca- like, actually, like actually, cass. actually lost cass yeah like the last time he like actually lost sam yeah. was season yeah. 2 and then again in season another 5
1: another really important part of that is that
0: Every time Dean
1: loses Cass, it like we get to see really extensively how much it haunts him.
0: Mm-hmm. And how Sam does not have the same reaction at all. Uh-uh. Like, he's still upset, but he's not playing the role of, you know, kind of worried, sick widow. He is, you know, supporting that person and telling them it's going to be okay. So, you know, we're very explicitly shown the difference between Dean and Sam's reactions to every single one of Cass's Deaths or, or you know, any anything that happens to him, really.
1: I genuinely, I think about this all the time, and I'm kind of obsessive about it. (laughs) But I genuinely do not know how they're going to get out of this situation without some kind of, some kind of even just like partial love confession. Like it's at the point where they're backed into a corner. Like the reason Cass did this was because you know, he was sacrificing himself for the cause because he didn't, you know, he didn't really feel like he had a place in Sam and Dean's family, or... I mean, I guess they can make it kind of a family thing, but at this point, that there has to be... Something's gotta give. There has to be a re- realization for Cass, and it has to come from at least Dean and Sam, if not, if not just Dean. I mean, <laughs> who does... Cass's entire emotional development rest on, you know, it's Dean.
0: I think it'll be Dean in a more romantic sense and then Sam in a more familial sense.
1: I'm just like, well, I'm just trying to picture that that happening at the end of the season. It just seems so abstract because I'm like, this is very real, but at the same time, it's very surreal.
0: Oh, I know it's so real right now. (laughs) But let's get back to talking about this episode. I think we should, you know. (laughs) actually talk about the episode (laughs) not super relevant to this episode um good call good call (laughs) but one thing you know kind of talking about like end games i guess at this point so this episode again kind of deals with dean's suicidal tendencies and codependency and i really i don't believe dean wanted to die i really think he just saw that as a quick way to kind of fix his current problem and i think he you know he's gotten a little cocky um yeah (laughs) you know if I die I can come back it's no big deal and I mean he has a reason like he's died like a hundred literally like a hundred times and he comes back every time so you know he he kind of has a not a right to feel that way but he has a history of why he feels that way but I think this time in particular he he actually cared that he was going to die when he found out that Sam was alive and that Billy was there to reap him he was kind of visually distressed Like, he, like, realized the mistake he made. You know, it's just kind of another thing in a long pattern of them breaking down the codependency that Sam and Dean have. And, I mean, this time I think it was, like, the most kind of visceral and obscene reality check Dean could ever possibly have. Because, I mean, in the past, like, with Gadriel, like, Kevin died and all that kind of thing. And it's all awful. But, like, this time, like, Dean had to watch himself, like, convulsing on the ground, throwing up pills. Like, that's not something that you would just be able to come back from. Like, Dean has witnessed death of loved ones and families every other day. Not to, like, downplay the death of other characters that he's seen, but this one is very personal in a way that Dean doesn't usually get to examine.
1: And I think it's important to note, too, that, you know, so far, all the stuff we've had about the codependency, you know, in the Carver era, has has really harped on how the brothers' choices affect other people and this is like the first direct confrontation that Dean has and I think it's it's it, it's both of them but it's it's really concentrated I think in Dean.
0: Dean perpetuates it the most I think um, just by the nature of how he was raised to above to anything always, else take care of Sam yeah. whereas Sam didn't th- really get that same treatment
1: yeah and I think this is the real first direct confrontation of Dean's like look at what I've done to myself like look at what I am doing to myself.
0: It was it was his first like personal confrontation. Like he's seen it affect other people, but I think both of the brothers have a tendency to be a bit selfish in that yeah. regard. Like they see it happen to other people, but like as long as they have each other they're fine. But this is the first time Dean's kind of seeing like what it does to him. And like yeah. you know, he can kind of think put himself in Sam's shoes. Like oh Sam's not dead, but now he's going to have to come to a hospital and realize like I overdosed on what were most likely antidepressants also, by the way, class four drugs, you know, talk about some poetic irony. Poetic justice yeah. is not what I want to be saying, obviously. Some kind of sick irony. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, yeah, like I said, like schedule four drugs, mostly antidepressants, also like ibuprofen and shit, but. Mild,
1: mild pain treatments. Yeah. So, you know.
0: Not, not the usual OD drug. So yeah, I think hopefully we'll, you know, kind of see some growth from that. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, like they never learn, they never do this. And it's like, it's true. And like, I can relate to like, you know, wanting to solve it. But like, this is the main emotional arc of the entire show. Like, it's not going to end until the end. You know, it's this isn't just an emotional arc of the past few seasons. Like, this has always been an issue. Whereas in the earlier seasons, it was kind of looked upon as more of a good thing, though. You know, kind of season five.
1: Yeah, it was like a, oh, we'll do it. These brothers will do anything for each other, and look at how admirable that is.
0: Yeah, and I think the difference now is it's kind of been shifted to be like, well, you know, it can we'll be how destructive it is, but it can also be super destructive for each other. You know, when they're a team, it's a good thing, but if they work against each other or if anyone else gets in the crosshairs, it's deadly. Keep patient, because I think that end is definitely coming. Supernatural does a really good job of kind of laying down these events and also, you know, following through or keeping up the thread. I guess would be a better way, because, you know, it's not the end. We can't say if they've followed through yet or not.
1: They're good at, I think, at following through, you know, the uh, the emotional threads, not necessarily the plot
0: threads as much, in my opinion,
1: but honestly, in this show, the plot is a vehicle for the
0: emotional yeah, arcs. I know, this show is like emotional porn. <laughs>
1: it's like emotional sadomasochism.
0: It really is, I know. this is. <laughs> what else about this episode? I think that what we were talking about was the most important thing. Just Dean's relation to himself and, you know, kind of realizing that he needs to straighten up and fly right.
1: A, a very instant moment of self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Literally watching yeah. himself.
0: Yeah, self-awareness is a good way. And we kind of already talked about Dean and Michelle and how that relates to Cass. Um, Billy, my girl Billy, I love her so d- much. As weirdly pissed off I was
1: at the end of last season when Death got killed... You know that's such an asinine
0: thing to have happen, but (laughs) I have to say,
1: I have to say that it resulted in Billy, which is you know I'm pretty thrilled about.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I, I've been meaning to go back and rewatch the season ten finale just because I didn't particularly care for it when I watched it, but I have a feeling that I will enjoy it more on rewatch and in context. Right, and
1: you know what's going to happen. Yeah,
0: but I mean, death dying kind of silly. But if death dying means we get to keep Billy, like I'm a hundred percent for it, and I would do it again in a heartbeat.
1: Another thing to remember about ten twenty three is that um,
0: I was sort of watching
1: that with feeling sort of sort of like dead inside, just because I was too fresh, too fresh from ten twenty one.
0: Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> Me too.
1: I was very I, I, I very jaded.
0: Season ten rewatch and just skip that episode. episode.
1: Oh yeah, that's what I did in my rewatch. I skipped ten twenty one. I was like, yeah. nope, I'm not even gonna, not even gonna try and watch up until that point and skip over the gruesome part. I'm just gonna skip the whole episode. Yep, doesn't exist, never happened. That part of the beginning of 1022 is really weird because they're like burning a body and I don't know who it is.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird. Dean's you
1: know? like, Dean's like reminiscing on his friendship with Charlie, which is weird because she just like went on vacation or
0: something. Yeah. Her and Rowena <laughs> are having a torrid affair in the South. Of France. <laughs>
1: Imagine that ship, Jesus Christ.
0: (laughs) There'd be so much red hair.
1: Oh, stop! (laughs) That's the worst thing you've ever said.
0: (laughs) You know it's true. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, man. We made that happy. I'm so proud of us. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Laugh to cover the pain. (laughs) Yeah, laugh to the pain.
0: So, yeah, I think that episode we kind of, you know, got the main emotional beats. Anything else you want to add to that?
1: No, I think, you know, it's that point in the season where we're just waiting, waiting for the rest of the, the, the play out from the main conflict. And we're waiting for the cliffhanger.
0: Uh, I know. So I'm excited. That I point, hate myself.
1: We're at that point in the season where...
0: Shit is you know, really getting real.
1: There's less to be seen, I think, in the Monster of the Week episodes just because we have already pretty firmly established what's going to happen, what's happening. And mm-hmm. we've already pre incessantly talked about speculation. I think we're at this point, we're mostly waiting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. Um, but yeah, so we had two really great episodes in a row. Again, we just, I don't, I think the only reason we don't have as much to talk about as we usually would is just because they're both monster of the week, which again, nothing wrong with monster of the week. I love monster of the week, but at this point in the season, right. I'm, I'm you know, really reared up to talk about what's going to happen with, you know, Cass and Lucifer and Mar and all that. So I think we'll end it here, you know, and kind of move on to our next, you know, read some comments that we got. So our last episode was the episode about queer baiting. And um, I think we got a really great response from that episode. Would you say so?
1: Yeah. And I've kind of been sort of just thinking about it every once in a while in the back of my mind. I really like it.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of that episode. I think I actually <laughs> I went back and listened to it after I edited it. And I was like, we did a really good job. <laughs> High five oh, well, us. Sorry, guys I, we're i'm we're proud of each other anyway <laughs> um, so we had so we kind of posed a question at the end of that episode and we asked people like you know what they thought of clear or what supernatural was doing or how they would want that to be resolved or whatever, and we got one response from that, so from Tumblr user, life is a melody um she says, if supernatural took the Khorasami approach, I would be very happy they could mirror it with Sam and his special someone as they always have. And there would be no doubt in my mind, although that's if they have a happy ending, a hundred percent I agree with this i think um i i haven't don't really i haven't seen life life of Cora that's not the name of the show Legend of Cora <laughs> thank you I haven't seen it, but um I'm, I'm familiar with Corawamimy just because me and Keely have talked about it before
1: i I would have to say you know i I veer really wildly on this on um, a day to day basis on my opinion about what level of what I'll ever be happy with mm-hmm. in the end. Um, I will sort of preface it by saying that I think they, I think there will be a happy ending. I just think it'll be sort of a matter of how that happy ending plays out. Yeah,
0: no, definitely hopeful. Definitely hopeful.
1: If they did sort of a, a Khorasami thing, I think, I don't know. Because I, I, uh, some days I'm like, I would be satisfied with that. That would be clear enough for me. But at the other time I'm like, I, I, so there, I have other days that, where I'm like damn it this is a show on the CW <laughs> this is not a children's show I want something more definitive
0: yeah well I think well, with Khorasami right I mean I think it had some like plausible deniability within the show from what I've read um, but the, the showrunner kind of confirmed it right
1: yeah I here. well okay s- spoilers for the end of legend of Korra the very <laughs> last literally literally like the last 30 seconds of the very last episode episode of this series Korra and Asami talk about how Asami talks about how she wants to take a break or do like go somewhere for a while and Korra's I I, I might be getting this totally wrong it's been a couple of years since I watched it but um the 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 bottom line is that they decide they're going to go on a vacation to the spirit world together and they like go to the spirit portal and they're standing God, in front so of it and they're like, they're like holding hands and like staring into each other's eyes and I'm like, Jesus Christ. And then, so like people were pretty sure that that's what had happened, but you know, there was some small argument from some people and then so one of the creators came on his Tumblr and he made a post, he made a pretty long post about it. And confirmed it, so we had, you know, word of God confirmation mm-hmm. as well. So I wouldn't say it was plausible de- deniability; it just maybe flew over the heads of
0: some people. Yeah, well, that's the thing is, I think if Supernatural did take that approach, it's it it would just it would fly over the heads of some people. But that doesn't also necessarily mean that they wrote it deny with it. plausible deniability, in mo- like you know what I mean? Right. Like I mean, ending it like that is a very Justifiable and complete way to end the story. Just like I, I think subtext is a very legitimate way to tell a story. Um, it's just right, it depends if it's enough or not. Um, I think I think it would just it would have to depend. You know, I don't think it would be Kurosami in the way that it would be like the last frame of the last episode because I think Sam and Dean are going to have to be together for the last frame of the last episode. I think Cass will also be there, but you know, Sam. And it won't Dean be will Dean definitely... Cass focused. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, I so don't I think... think it'll be Dean Cass focused. I think it would probably focus on the brothers.
1: I think in my ideal world, we get an entire Dean Deancast episode of like, <laughs> <laughs> like an entire Dean Deancast episode, even if it's just the penultimate episode of the series. And then the last episode is sort of dedicated to wrapping up all whatever, whatever happens to be needing wrapped up. And then oh, we've got.
0: You wound me. pay very big money for end. that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so to life is a melody. Um, I think that's a very valid way. And I think, you know, there would be no doubt in my mind about it either. Like, if that's what happened, like, there's no doubt. Like, that's how it would be. Some people would still deny it. But, I mean, even if they literally made out, some people would still deny it. So, you know.
1: (coughs) I'm thinking about certain areas of the fandom that uh, just are very anti dusty hell.
0: (laughs) Dusty ooh, get it right.
1: (laughs) It's a pestilence.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, so um yeah, thanks for the comment, Life is a Melody. Um, so we have one more comment. This isn't really in relation to the queer rating episode, but just kind of a general suggestion. We, you know, we want you guys to be involved. So if you have an idea for an episode, let us know. Um so Nihon love, if I mispronounce that, I'm really sorry. I don't know if you're still taking suggestions on what you should do podcasts on, but I have one if you'd care to listen to it. Dean cast Big Bangs because that's in the season. Thanks for doing the podcast; it's really great. I would love to do a Dean cast Big Bangs episode. I love Dean. I cast would Big too,
1: because I just like on an impulsive decision just signed up for it, and I was like, <laughs> "I'm doing it."
0: Oh my god, we should do like check-ins, like you know, see how see how you're going. going. Keely's corner. Yeah. Oh Jesus, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Keely's corner. <laughs>
0: I mean, if you want,
1: <laughs> hold me accountable. <laughs>
0: yeah. It could be fun. Um, But yeah, um, some Nihon Love. We definitely, I think, will want to do something like that. Um, We've been planning out what we want to do over the hiatus since that is coming up. And we're not going to have new episodes for about three months. Obviously, we'll do like a Comic-Con episode or something like that.
1: Oh, I can't wait for that.
0: Oh, me too. (laughs) Hopefully, it won't be a drag fest like last year.
1: (laughs) Although, imagine the fun we would have had doing this podcast about that panel. I don't
0: don't know if I could have done it. I would have had such bad secondhand embarrassment oh it's
1: so bad
0: it's, oh man it i just made me so happy it's so vicious, vicious. and like i'm not angry Got about dragged. it it's just like
1: dragged uh, to hell and back
0: and then back to hell yeah and, then <laughs> and just left, left there, there <laughs> to suffer <laughs> um but yeah, so we, we have some other episodes um, planned out. We've been talking about doing a bi Dean episode since literally, I think, the first episode. So we, you know, we have some uh, some uh, stuff planned out for you guys. You know, we won't yeah, just end some, when the season ends. Yeah, hopefully but yeah, some cool thank you for your message. Guys, um, send in messages, requests, anything you have to say. Tell us you love us. Tell us you hate us. Yada, yada, yada. So with that note, let's move on to fic reps. You go first. I've been talking a lot.
1: Okay. I'm going to wreck professional couple only by salty feathers this is just such a high quality fake relationship fic oh, i love it so much i'm pretty sure i was screaming the entire time i read it
0: <laughs> fake relationship is a great trope one of the best easily
1: yeah easily one of the best
0: so I, i've read that fic too it's a good one i haven't read it in a while so i don't recall it super well but it's a good one so my fic rec for this week, this is one of my all-time favorite fics. And I think besides The Wilderness, it's one of my top red fics. Um, and it's A Down Like Water by Amuse Away. And it's, oh man. Like I said last week, I love to suffer. And this is just so angsty. It's it's a very confusing fic because it's angsty and also fluffy and just ruins me.
1: Hit the hit a range of emotion. Yeah,
0: you really do. I can't remember or not. This one might be tagged major character death, but that's not the case. So if you see that, feel free to disregard it. <laughs> but it's it's really good. Um, yeah. away is a great, great, great writer. And this fic just... I remember, you know, a lot of this fic takes place at the Grand Canyon, and I was actually reading it in a car on the way to the Grand Canyon, and um, unplanned. It just, you know, kind of worked out that way. And I remember finished reading it, and I was, like, sitting in the back of the car, and my 2 coworkers co-workers were like, are you all right? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> How serendipitous. Yeah, right. So that is uh, my fic rec for the week. All right, so we are going to be back soon with um our next episode where we are going to be talking about hell's angel yeah hell's angels eleven eighteen. um and then because we don't have another episode after that for um, a few weeks we are going to be talking about our predictions for what's going to be happening in the last part of the season um because we have one more you know monster of the week episode but after that it's straight shot to the finale so it's kind of right now when we're getting all our theories out there and predicting what's going to happen. And I think, you know, me and Keely have talked a lot about this and I've seen a lot of discussion on Tumblr. I, we, you know, I can really kind of see where the season's going and it's exciting and we really want to talk about it with you guys. So if you guys have any idea or how you want the season to end, send us that way and we'll talk about that on the episode as well. So yeah, thanks for listening. Yeah, sounds good. Talk to you next time.